I think that patience goes two ways. And nowhere is that patience going to be more evident than in a time of transition. And so in a time of transition, while I was being patient, You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javet, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. Hello and welcome back to Our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javet. Today I am again joined by Pastor Otis Buckley. Otis, or OL, is a pastor of High Point Bible Church in the Bronx, New York. He has had a, an interesting journey that brought him to High Point. We discussed some of that during our last uh, episode, and I want to continue our conversation today. So thank you so much for joining us again, Oel. Let me take you back to your church. Uh, what was the situation that you stepped into, theologically speaking, at High Point Bible Church? What was there? Yeah, you got so there? it was Pentecostal. And with that said, there was the the stream. Um, and I say this because it was sort of a, a stream that ended up later, definitely more so in the late 80s, mid 90s, began to flow into all the streams of Pentecostalism. And so that's what our church was mm-hmm. earlier on. And that was the word of faith influence. And so that metaphysical approach to scripture mm-hmm. The idea of um, speaking things into existence and positive confession and so forth. That was a lot of what I was contending with. I want to go back to something that you mentioned and then tie it into this. You said demand, talking about New York City. So one of the things that's very interesting about the Bronx is that the Bronx is, out of the five boroughs, um, the last research that I saw, it had the highest concentration of witchcraft. The Bronx is very syncristic. And so the location that we were at prior to where we are now, what was interesting was it was a heavy Muslim community in the Castle Hill section of the Bronx. Most people there are from Bangladesh. And so even doing outreach, people would come in and we would be giving out food and and doing all kinds of things in the community. Some people couldn't come into the church, wouldn't step foot into the church. And they had a resistance to the New Testament. I had one Muslim man tell me, He's okay with the Old Testament, but the New Testament, he, he uses language that has sugar poured on it. Um, it's been sweetened, diluted in some way, contaminated. And so he, they, there's just this distrust from Matthew to Revelation. But, but Genesis to Malachi, he's okay with that. So I had to learn, you were talking about demand, how to show that there's no disunity between the old and new. And... The new covenant, the Lord says, is uses the word better than the old covenant. And so how the old covenant sets as the underpinning for the new covenant. So I had to get really, really good at that. Praying, praying with the community. You know this, praying with a Muslim, and you start your prayer off with our father. <laughs> You're dead in the water from jump. God has no children, right? So you start off with our father. That's, that can be problematic. But all of that, coming from modalism to Trinitarian, to becoming a Trinitarian has helped me in the Bronx to be able to minister in that way. Then what was previously in the church, the, the word of faith aspect, the metaphysics, that created this whole mind sciences 
Um, you're dealing with, if, if we're going to go back to New York, you're talking about things like, you know, the influence of Father Divine, which was, which who he was huge in Harlem with Black people and with the, the plight of African Americans. And so a lot of our church, we're very cross-generational. A lot of the older believers in our church, the older saints in our church, they remember those days. Mm. Um, and, so I had to, and so I had to contend with that. And that sounds good to a people who have been typically oppressed. Metaphysics sounds great. You mean I could just say this and change my world? Give me more of that. And so I had to raise my understanding of God, and the Lord did that. I had to raise my Christology. Who is Jesus truly? Because then that helps us to minister to those who are in the community there in the Bronx. And then you have Santeria, which is sort of this Roman Catholic West African fusion. And I had to ex explain, you know, praise God for the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul was but a man. Praise God for the Apostle Peter, but, but Peter was but a man. Um, there's no one like Jesus. And now we're in the Bronx, next section of the Bronx, which is Italian and Irish Catholic, heavy, heavy Roman Catholic. And so this whole idea of tradition and works and, and trying to help people see the you know, justifications by faith alone, how else would that even be possible if the Lord had not worked and is still working in me the knowledge of who God is, Father, Son, and Spirit, the uniqueness and the exclusivity of Jesus, um, justification by faith, and understanding that works is the fruit of the tree, not the root of the tree. Mm -hmm. I've had to work through that. The Lord has helped me in that and now has positioned us where we are, where on one hand, we have those who are you know, visiting from a Roman Catholic background. We have those who may have been in a house that practiced Santeria. We have those who are coming from a metaphysical word of faith background, both in the church and who are visiting the church. Mm -hmm. So it's been, I don't know what... <laughs> why the Lord decided to place me in that context and now in this situation, but he knows what he's doing. So Now, I think that's my next question was going to be, which I'm going to still ask you, how do you think your journey has uniquely prepared you to pastor High Point Church? And I think part of that answer is right there, that your journey, personal journey in faith and uh, your growth in understanding the triune God and his nature and how he interacts with us individually and how he uses his word to bring that to our attention where he's speaking. Revelation is already given. There is no new revelation, but That's right. it's the illumination that you were talking about, the Spirit giving that to us so we can understand that and apply that to our contemporary setting rather than taking the contemporary and putting it into the scriptures. So I, I love the way you explain that, and I think those are the connections that we need to make. And I, in the future, I'd love to just have a podcast episode just on your outreach aspect of your ministry, because that's another area of our podcast that we try to divide our time uh, between Muslim ministry and uh, urban ministry in general, different issues, including church planting, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, evangelism, and justice-oriented causes. But let me take you back to the question I had for you was, um, how do you think your journey has uniquely prepared you to pastor High Point Church with all these different groups visiting you and being there still? In a word, sensitivity. Sensitivity. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, the Apostle Paul says something very interesting to young Timothy in preparation for where he is 
and the inevitability of what is to come. And I draw strength from this hmm. every time I read it. Preach the word. There is a reliance, a dependence that Timothy is to have on the word of God beyond Timothy's personal experiences, whatever they may have been up to that point. He says, be ready in season and out of season. I thought I knew what ready meant. Mm-hmm. I thought it just meant sort of uh, standing in queue, waiting for the light to turn green. No, it means be persistent. Mm-hmm. In other words, don't change from looking at the previous preaching the word. Mm-hmm. So be persistent in the first thing that you are instructed. Mm-hmm. That's in essence what Paul is saying to Timothy. Be, be persistent in that. And the season and out of season has to do with the level of tension, intensity, and opposition. So whether there's great opposition mm. or whether it seems like everybody is with you, mm. um, you have to be persistent in that. Then he says some very interesting words. He, he runs down a few items. He says to reprove. And that is a term of helping people understand what is proper, what is correct. And then he says rebuke. And that is challenging people to come out of whatever wrongness they may have had and be conformed because rebuke has the intent of reconciling. It's a chastening tone on rebuke, reprove it. Then he says, exhort, which is we understand to encourage. There's a corrective nature. There's a restorative nature or a correction with the intent to restore nature. And then he says, and this is, I think, really the heart of what Timothy needs to have in doing all the aforementioned, he says, with complete patience. Mm. Now, there's this tendency with truth to just want to come in and swing the Excalibur, if I can use that expression. He says, yes, preach the word. Yes, reprove. Yes, rebuke. Yes, exhort. He says, but do all of that now from the word. Mm. But now here's your heart, Timothy, with complete patience and teaching. King James, New King James will use the word long-suffering. The NIV says, great patience. and careful instruction. I think that is what the Lord has and is equipping me with in ministry at High Point. Good. Amen. Amen. Let's talk a little bit about the change. Mm-hmm. New leadership, different direction, or I, I see a different theology, different theological direction. And then you have a new name of the church. So new leadership, mm-hmm. different new theological direction, and new name of the church. Change is difficult for people. How did you shepherd in the midst of a change to, to bring the new leadership, especially the a change in top leadership, the senior pastor? What were the changes and how did you overcome them? The help of the Holy Spirit and my wife. Or um, help of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit through my wife. That's another way to look at that. Yes, Continue. yes, yes, right? yes, yes, Amen. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Go on. Some decisions I made because I thought, well, this is the right thing to do. Hmm. There were some decisions where my wife would say, yes, it is the right thing to do, but, but it's not the right time to do it. And so there's the wisdom in the content, but then there's the wisdom in the action or hmm. in the timing of taking that action. And so sometimes I get it right. Um, enough times I get it wrong. But, you know, I think when the spirit is at work in a local assembly, I think that patience goes two ways. And nowhere is that patience going to be more evident than in a time of transition. And so in a time of transition, while I was being patient with the church, I know the church was being patient with me. Good. And I praise God for that. 
And I'll add one more thing to that, and I'll just simply say, if I didn't get to where I am overnight, I can't expect people to get there overnight either. Good. And so if I've been holding on to a particular theological position for 25, 30 years, and the Lord transforms that in five months, I can't expect that to happen with the church in five minutes or five hours. There's a definite two-way street of grace, and that continues, I pray, to be the case even now. Regarding the name, interestingly enough, my father-in-law was already going to change the name. And so we just enacted what he had already set in motion. The high point was already a, a, a stone in motion. What was bigger challenge? The change in leadership or the change in theology? I hear you that the church was uh, patient towards you as you were making those changes or as the changes were taking place. But still, I would like to hear how did the congregation respond? Some pushback okay. at certain points, not all at once. Mm. On one hand, because I was, because I come from it, I kind of knew what the hobby horses were. And if you know what the hobby horses of that congregation are, especially when you're talking about a change of theology, then you kind of know, okay, this is this is the the treasured calf or cow. And then if you understand what people want from it. So take, for example, the metaphysical aspect of trying to adopt the ex nihilo uniqueness of God. What is it, Romans 4, 17? speaking things into existence. Why do people want to do that? Okay. Rather than just come at the angle of, this is not what the text is saying, though that would be fine and well, but you have to understand what makes that attractive and then expose that to the human heart. Mm -hmm. Now you could say it's because I want to control the outcome of my life. And that would, there would be a degree of truth to that. Or you could say it's because I really don't trust God the way that I think that I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and if that's the case, why? And that means that somewhere I fundamentally don't believe he's good. Now, the way you back into that, the way you unpack that makes all the difference. Right. So going back to the earlier point, I had to preach, and I still do, big God theology. Is God good? Yes. But it's not just showing God being good in the ways that anybody could see he's good. But it's also showing the goodness of God in the ways that are not so obvious. Mm -hmm. So the blind man in John chapter 9, who did sin? Who's at fault? Who didn't have enough faith? Right. Was it, was it this, his parents? Was it him? Mm -hmm. And I love the word that Jesus uses. He says, neither. Wow. Neither? Well, if I don't have anybody to blame, now, very few people in the pew are going to say, well, I blame God. Mm -hmm. Very few people are going to bring themselves to do that. So you have to think and say, how could that be good? And you have to then reveal for God's glory, all of it, all of it is good. And so when you, when you broach, that angle, broach it from that angle, and that's what I've had to do. Um, the same would be true. Um, I'm preaching right now through the book of John. Um, we're looking at John 11, Lazarus. <laughs> Martha says something amazing. He says, if you had been here, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And he says something Jesus does to his disciples. I believe it's in verse 15. He says, I'm glad for your sake 
I was not there that you might believe. So when we view trials as something God uses to show forth his goodness, and ultimately that pouring out from his being glorified, now I can view my trials differently. Right. And now I realize I'm actually not, not only am I incapable of speaking things into existence, I don't even have the right, even if I did have the capability, I don't have the wisdom I can't see around the corner. My knowledge of anything is, is nothing like that of God's. Mm. So why not trust his omniscience as he shows himself strong, his omnipotence, ultimately for his glory? And yes, Romans 8, 28, 29, 30, he's going to work it out for my good. So now I'm not a big fan of this statement, but for lack of a better one, and I do mean lack of a better one. Let go and let God. <laughs> so we talked about theology. Now let's talk briefly about what is the balance between apologetics and care. New York City demands that you preach with an apologetic because of the just the profound confusion that exists right. in a town, in a city that thinks it knows more than God anyway. <laughs> so we do want to also Timothy do the work of an evangelist in our preaching. Mm -hmm. not just cast the net, draw the net. And so you'd have to do this in any, in any town or city, but definitely in New York City, do you, you must preach with an apologetic. So the ditch to watch out for on, this, on the side of the road is riding a hobby horse, mm. becoming insensitive, not being patient, um, insufferable, just, just hard to, to, to deal with, swinging the Excalibur every time you assume the pool. You have to be very careful. Now, you don't evade things as they come up verse by verse. Um, if it's there, it's there. But again, what is the overall objective to our apologetic? It is to, yes, give an answer, um, a reason for the hope that is within us. I recently learned that that whole statement has to do with the church being facing opposition hostile opposition. And in light of the hostile opposition, they are walking in Christ's likeness. They are glorying in tribulation. They are rejoicing. Again, I say rejoice as Paul wrote. The point being is that they were asking them, why such hope? See, that's evangelistic. Give a reason when your situation doesn't seem to warrant a reason mm -hmm. for you to have hope. That's why we do apologetics. That's why apologetics exists in our preaching in New York City. Because though you may see me being afflicted, there is joy inexpressible and full of glory. And that creates a conversation. So that's, I think, how we care for souls, by not bearing down on them in such a way that is oppressive and harsh and coarse. Thank you all. Anything else you'd like to add to the conversation, this conversation? I just want to say thank you for the invitation. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very interesting, your context, because I did a lot of work among Muslims in New York and continue to do that, actually. I host a conference called Heart for Muslims. It's a collaboration of some 35 different organizations. God is bringing many of them to the same knowledge of His Son, Jesus, and very excited about that, too. For the last thing, because we talk about heavy topics, I like to ask you to tell us a joke to lighten the mood. <laughs> Now, this is a real challenge. Yeah, tell me about it. I was thinking about uh, one of my corny, what they call dad jokes. Mm -hmm. What's black, white, and red all over? What is it? The newspaper. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Good. There you go. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show again. That was OL talking about moving from various theologies to transforming to and pastoring a reformed perspective church. And thank you to all our listeners. We truly could not do this without you. If you learn something, have a topic suggestion, or would like to leave us feedback, drop us a note at OurUrbanVoices.com. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. 